0: This is Tim Dantz. This is not my podcast, but this is the Wrestling
1: Cheers Podcast. Catchphrase. Taking your way in the world today, takes everything you got. Taking a break from all your worries, sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away And welcome back to Wrestling Cheers, where everybody knows your name, especially when we're reviewing a show from almost six years ago. This is Wrestling Cheers. We'd like to talk about things with the Northeast Ohio independent wrestling scene. We preview shows, we review shows, and sometimes we even have interviews along the way. This is a review episode, a retro review episode, actually, of an AIW show from August of 2014 called Failure by Design I am your host Justin Summers and Wrestling Cheers is brought to you by the Trending Topics Network and Midwest Territory. Please rate, review, and subscribe to your Everlisten's fine podcast whether it be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts Stitcher, TuneIn, YouTube, Spotify iHeartRadio, Podbean, .podbean WrestlingCheers.Podbean.com Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, Facebook.com slash wrestling cheers, twitter.com slash wrestling cheers, and Instagram.com slash wrestling cheers email. If you so choose a desire, wrestling cheers at gmail.com and we have the merch store over at whatamaneuver.net. Like I said, this is a retro review of AIW's failure by design. And basically what we're doing uh this month, I've been trying to do different things because we've had no AIW shows for almost uh, four or five months now. So there there are shows that We have not reviewed at all on this feed. For those who don't know, Wrestling Chairs was once called a podcast named uh, Ohio Indie Report. We started off doing previews and reviews of AIW shows, and that slowly just turned into previews and not having a lot of reviews. And then towards the end of it, there was barely any previews or reviews for AIW shows. It was only maybe one or two shows a year. So when we rebranded back in, I believe, the beginning of 2017, um, we Started doing more and more like every single show doing previews and reviews and that's kind of where we are now. So there's like a plethora of shows that we can go back and do a kind of a retro review and talk about it. The things we weren't able to do. And this is actually a show I missed. I was not able to be there. So it's it was cool to sit down and uh, visit this show that I missed. So um, it's not going to be just me. We also have Charlie Butters.
2: Hey man, it's good to be back
1: been a little while for you You used to be on the show like every couple weeks now it's it's been a couple of months
2: yeah you know COVID times so
1: and we also have dustin alberti it's me i'm here
3: i'm on the podcast
1: and you were the only one of us three that was actually at the show
3: i was at the show we'll probably get into that yes a little bit later but yes i was at the show
1: I have I have two notes about this show that you were involved with one way or another. One thing I asked you about, and you have no recollection you said you have no recollection of, but I swear it was your voice that yelled it.
3: I know what you're talking about. We'll get to it when we get to it.
1: So yeah, this is uh, Failure by Design. The date was August eighth, two thousand fourteen. And yes, you can find this on IWTV. It's just where we watched every show this month. Uh We're going to be doing a retro review of a spoiler alert. It's going to be four shows. Uh, All are on IWTV, and we're going to just announce week by week of what's coming up. So if I remember at the end of the show, I will announce what uh, show we're reviewing for next week. And actually, it has been teased on social media, so we'll we'll get to that. But on commentary for this show was Matt Wadsworth, Aaron Bauer, and some commentator named Leonard F. Chakarson. Haven't heard from him in quite some time. This event took place after All In, uh, that's AIW's All In, and Battle of the Sexes, which was a show, uh, two shows in one night, and then after this was the original uh three-day event. So, uh, more for you, Dustin. Do you remember what AIW was like at this time? Because this was also, too, this was literally the end of the Turner's Hall era. By the end of the year, there would be no more AIW in Turner's Hall.
3: This was a very wild time. Uh, a lot of the stories you hear, as we talked about on our becoming a fan of AIW uh, episode, the uh, where we were very loud, we said inappropriate things, we uh, we chanted a lot. It was very ruckus. Um, and if you just go back and watch some of these shows, like I know some of the names on this show, there's there's big names that were already big, but like if you go back and watch a lot of these shows from back then, there are a lot of very high level names that weren't quite where they are today. And it's just a, it's one of those just wild times to think back that we were in the shithole that was Turner's hall and just got to see so much great stuff.
1: This card also had the uh, AIW debuts of Christopher Daniels and Brian Myers, formerly known as, and later, also known as kurt hawkins but now back to brian myers brian myers actually came back and i don't think we've seen christopher daniels in the aiw since that
3: was his only yeah that was his only uh date it was killer by design design
2: design, design. <laughs> not a big loss it's all right
1: <laughs> well we'll get to uh his match later on too because there's uh there was a change up and I actually think that change up might've been a little bit better. I understand why we got the replacement that we did, but I would have really liked to have seen the original more and the main event of the night also got changed. This was, you know, kind of a, a great example of a uh, card subject to change at a W uh, there's people that were supposed to be here and couldn't for one reason or actually no, I think three people and it they were all the same. I think all three people were ring of honor. One wasn't announced being because of Ring of Honor, but I it makes sense because I think he was at Ring of Honor at this time.
2: Yeah, it's one of those unfortunate things when ROH thought, you know, they could wag their dick around and and, and stop people from getting bookings. and I mean, it still happens today, but really when you look at it, like this was the, the first big-time instance of this being a thing was ROH pulling this. And uh, luckily it's not as bad as it used to be. It's more understood at this point
1: well if i'm correct you had roh pulling these wrestlers out the week of like doing a little bit of research and digging uh i, I, I love the lot of work that uh biggins i swear it had to be biggins put into the aw facebook because there's a lot of things that are organized and i could easily find them but like going back at that time but you could see that like two days before the show the there had to be a replacement for not only the main event but of uh the christopher daniels match and i maybe hopefully like roh just books further ahead now so they it's not like the week of where it's like oh by the way we have to pull you off this show because you figure most wrestlers are booked months in advance by bare minimum you have to be at least like two months so i don't know maybe roh has worked better on that now
2: yeah i mean even with like mlw now um a lot of AIW regulars work for them too, so if they kind of have a conflicting date with AIW, obviously we're not going to see some of that. But the talent fills out, so you're not really missing much. But it's like I, I I feel like we see less of that now because people do book so far in advance. They see that conflict way in advance, and they just you know aren't announced for the show period because they're going to be on the other. But yeah, I feel like there was a real bad like time frame where it was like constantly being like that and it kind of sucked for uh smaller promotions like aiw at the time where stuff like this would happen two days out i don't think it really affected
1: aiw as a whole for like for the for this show yeah uh two matches were really affected and the other one i think was somewhat affected i just we'll get to who it is because I, I don't i don't want to say that it was because of ring of ring of honor but i i'm not 100 sure and even going back and watch, like, watching that particular match, it's kind of suspect of the fucking booking they did.
3: I can tell you, it it did happen a lot. Uh, Biggins and Thorne got really good at like, all right, we're running a show this day. There's a chance that ROH is running a show. And then at one point, PM, there's a chance of Vol's running a show or Impact is going to have a set of tapings. Like, They got really good at, we're running this day because of this reason. We're running... Like they would they would go out of their way to try to set their booking up as far ahead in advance based on other people's dates,
1: which it it makes sense. But it it definitely took years of perfection. And then hopefully there's been a, a better uh, communication that's been able to figure out because I know there's like, you know, guys like, you know, Mance, whatever he's be used, whether it's like GCW or um, MLW or wherever that if he's not at an AIW show, I swear he knows way ahead of time. All right, let's get into the show, and we started off with Brent Banks versus Ricky Shane Page. Uh, Brent Banks, only, I, I swear, a handful of AIW appearances. He just, I don't think he connected really with the crowd. Uh, We didn't, you know, just didn't really pick up on him, but uh, the things that I have down for, for this particular match, this was the year going into Ricky winning the absolute championship. We were... Completely um, infatuated with Ricky Shane Page, or he he was definitely over with us, and it showed. It definitely showed. So it it kind of it kind of made sense for me why this match went the way it did. And the the one thing that stands out was uh, Ricky about killing Banks with that crossbody off the top rope.
3: Yeah, I have the crossbody in my notes too. That was a real really beautiful crossbody. And I'll say this is my favorite era of Ricky Shane Page. The Scream somebody's entrance music while you're doing their finisher phase <laughs> yeah fantastic fantastic our Ricky Shane page
2: what
1: notes did you have on this butters
2: uh the reverse Rana from banks uh that, that got me real good I really uh wasn't expecting that to happen and it looked smooth and then of course the it took me like six times to watch this because I was trying to cook food while I was watching the show. <laughs> And I swear to God, like I, the, this finish came out of nowhere every time. So I had to keep like going back to try to catch the finish. Uh, but the the roaring elbow off the him, uh, banks coming off the middle rope was uh, was pretty sweet. Wasn't clean, but it was it was it was good. Very you well know. timed. Yeah.
1: And it was uh, Ricky picking up the victory with uh, 10 minutes and 25 seconds in the match. Now, I'm not really great on moves, so there's none of the, none of that on on my notes. But I think this really was like that build of Ricky Shane Page post uh, Nixon. or yeah, that's it's definitely two years out of Nixon, but still, this was when he was getting to that point of like he was going to be the AIW absolute champ. We just didn't necessarily know it yet, and I c- I could feel it now, knowing what I know of what happens later on.
2: So you're like Jonah, you
1: don't know moves. Oh, I've openly said I don't know fucking moves. So, yes, I'm very much like sure. if if it's a move that I can recognize, but I'll say something. But with this one, too, I just didn't I didn't write any of them down. I was more like writing notes of like things that stood out to me one way or another. And like these first three matches were building talent. Brett, like I said, Brett Banks, we didn't necessarily see much in AIW. I know there's, he was around for at least a couple more years after this, but it was very sporadic. There was one thing basically with, you know, Ethan Page, he was always bringing talent from Canada, which was great, but most of them didn't last in AIW one reason or another. Granted, some of it could be getting over the border, but Brent was just one of those dudes that did not connect.
2: Well, he did connect once he changed his name to Money in the Bank, so then, you know. Ha.
1: Huh. Was that supposed to be a joke?
2: Thank hey, you. Hey. You. No, I was being very serious. That's that's how he connected. He became a briefcase.
1: I didn't want to have to Man po- morning morning
3: zoo sound effects, baby. Yeah,
1: I didn't want to have to Hey man. I didn't want to have to I'm bust all for the, it. I didn't want to have to b- bust out the stock sound effects on the, the mixer, but you made me do it.
2: Not even mad.
1: <laughs> Alright, let's move on to the next match. <laughs> Uh, Heidi Lovelace, now known as Ruby ride for those who don't know, versus Eric Cannon. Um, notes that I have about this. This was roughly a year or within the year before Heidi won the Young Lions Cup and before she went off to Japan. This And this was kind of like the, the beginning of the height of popularity for Heidi. Um, she was really getting ready to make a lot of big moves, and that's why she's, you know, in, in WWE right now, and I feel like a lot of it started in 2014, right around this time. Also, Heidi had no social network with her at the time, uh, at least, at least not for this match. Uh, no Sammy G and no Annie social, which was I feel somewhat weird, but I she might have had shows where Annie or Sammy, one of them wasn't there, but this was one where neither of them were there. And as far as Eric Cannon, like this might have been his last aiw booking and another guy kind of like brett banks i mean i think eric cannon is definitely over but for some reason we just don't see him a lot in aiw
3: yeah uh the sammy not being there is brought up by lfc he says that on the way to the building she saw something shiny outside and got distracted so that's why she wasn't there it's it's said in the commentary as to why she was not there
1: i will say this lfc was great on commentary i
3: that's how him and Aaron didn't just start cracking up at each other the whole time. It's one of the really shining spots of this whole show is the commentary is just outstanding.
1: I think LFC can go great with Bauer or Wadsworth. I enjoyed both sets of commentary. And I think if it's, if I were to pick like what's the one that stands out between both of them, it's obviously it's, it's LFC. He can, I think he can do commentary with damn near anybody.
3: One of the best in the business, baby. One of the best in the business.
1: What were your matches on this, Dustin? Or notes on this match?
3: Um. So the first note is: I wish I was sponsored by PBR. Uh, <laughs> the idea of having a free beer at my disposal at all times is just outstanding. Uh, and then all my other notes are just: Wow, this is not okay. In 2020, this wouldn't work. Wow, this <laughs> is real problematic. Oof, problematic. Ha ha ha! I shouldn't be laughing at this. It's pretty problematic. Cool finish. Finish is really cool, because uh, it it's a callback, and then it's a reversal, and then it's another reversal, and then that's the finish. And it's a pretty good... I thought it was a pretty good finish. But yeah, this match probably wouldn't be getting... Uh, it, it was a very good match, and I think at the time, it was super over. But if it were to happen now with the new 2020 wrestling fan... It would probably be like, uh, wow, that was real cringy. Ugh, this was terrible. Oh, blah, 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 blah. You know, all those crybaby whiners.
1: And this was a year before Battle of the Sexes 2. Obviously, we said this was right after Battle of the Sexes 1. And I feel like that added to probably the cringe or they like we're not as of right now, we're not going back and watching Battle of the Sexes 2 or 1. But I have a feeling there's a lot of that on those shows.
3: I actually recently watched Battle of the Sexes, too, because it's one of the few shows that I missed. And there were definitely a couple moments where you're like, uh, but, like, this match is really, like, like I said, I, it was a good match, and I don't think anybody felt uncomfortable with the match. I don't think Heidi was uncomfortable. I don't think Eric was uncomfortable. I don't think either of them were uncomfortable with what they were doing. But I just could see, like, in today's, it just wouldn't work that way. And I think that uh, at the time... in. Not that intergender was young and like impossible to do and was never done before, but like this was like right at the height of intergender and everybody was trying to figure out the best way to go about doing it. And this is just one of those like real problematic type matches that people would go back and look at and go, well, this is just wrong. But like everybody in the crowd is having a good time. We give him shit when he does something that's a little inappropriate. We laugh at the stuff that's supposed to be funny like, it's not like a, you can see it's not like a taking advantage of somebody in this situation. So it makes it a little bit more palatable, I guess. I don't know. I just I'm trying to try to choose my words wisely so I don't get called out for <laughs> saying something inappropriate.
1: When I think of the crazy shit that happened in intergender matches, one of the ones I think of is Ethan Page versus AK. And he goes to do the hoe train on her. I don't know if that would fly today. But, yeah, that, but I vividly I mean, remember like, if you,
3: that if you go back and watch Battle of the Sexes two, to infinity and beyond take on Taylor Hendricks and uh, Kelly Clyde. Now, what was it? It was something more more Mary, Mary Monroe or Mary Elizabeth Monroe. Was yeah,
1: yeah, I think it's Mary Elizabeth Monroe.
3: Yeah, it was Mary Elizabeth Monroe. And the whole idea is that Taylor Hendricks is trying to get Colin to have sex with her. Like, that's that's the whole match. Like, that's that is the and like, that's just kind of. It happens sometimes, but then on the same show, it's Johnny versus Candice, and it's just a really good wrestling match. Like, you know, there's a there's a line, and I
2: was just figuring out where that line was.
1: What were your notes on this match, Butters?
2: Uh, the Canadian Destroyer was awesome, uh, and the way they got into the Canadian Destroyer was, uh, was an interesting setup. Uh, kind of what Dustin said, like... <sighs> intergender matches always there was a couple different ways you could go about them either they were going to be like a hard hitting match or there was going to be a lot of like innuendo stuff happening and this played into the innuendo stuff I know we saw more of it with Alex Shelley and Candice a couple years later so I mean that style never really went away Um, we probably will never see that style ever again after this year so I mean I guess that's a good thing because it is kind of uncomfortable to see now. And like looking back probably wasn't okay then either, but um, yeah, I mean the match, it was good for what it was and I, I liked the finish. So
1: it was Heidi picking up the victory in nine minutes and 19 seconds. Let's move on to the next one. Next up was a scramble match for the AIW intense championship. It was Davey Vega putting up the title against Ashley Six, who I haven't even thought of for a very long time. Alex Daniels versus Flip Kendrick versus Bobby Beverly versus Joshua Singh. I feel like this match was basically made to showcase Davey Vega early in his intense title championship run, which to me was fine. Absolutely fine. People that he had in this match, I mean, you had two like students, you had Flip. Kendrick and Bobby, who, you know, they, they'd they been around AIW for a while. And I don't remember as much about Ashley Six. Do you have any memories on this match or Ashley Six, Dustin?
3: Uh, so Ashley Six was another one of the Canadian guys who would come in with Ethan Page. He was like the Brett Banks types where I think he only had a couple matches in AIW. He said he never really stuck. Uh, I think by 2014, the being a 90s grunge guy gimmick was kind of... Getting soured, and like he kind of does, like, the I'm a gross guy gimmick that like Bucks Belmar kind of took over at that time. And like, nothing he did was like, like he licked the ring mat and like did a stop rocket, and you're like, oh wow, you're real edgy, dude. Like, I just imagine myself just making fun of him while I was there, like looking at him go, wow, well, look at this guy. Uh, that's all I know, that's all I can remember about Ashley Six. As far as other notes I have, uh, Flip Kendrick is like the best wrestler of all time. Uh, there was a recent like spot that John Morrison did on SmackDown with Matt Riddle where he does all kinds of flippy parkoury things leading into like a like a powerbomb type thing. Uh Flip Kendrick's doing all that stuff 6 years ago. So anybody who has an issue with Flip Kendrick is just completely off the rocker. Uh it's good to see Alex Daniels pre being soured by wrestling. I'm like actually having a good time and smiling and like You can see, like, he's enjoying himself because, like, as we all know, kind of went dark. Wasn't, like, the best person towards the end of his career. Uh, And I remember Alex being happy and relatively good. Go lucky. Like, it's good to see him having a good time. It's great to see Josh Singh. He was he had all the potential in the world. Uh, And then uh, I've got uh, LFC is a big Bush fan, which was interesting. He says that he's a fan of Bush. And then uh, Davy Vega's theme song might be one of the top five AIW theme songs of all time. Don't at me.
1: I went to go look for this. I tried to Shazam it and it wouldn't come up. At one point, I had it downloaded. I forget what this song is, but I know I had it at one point. Do you remember? I have it? no
3: idea what it is. I would guess it's probably some type of like EDM version of a Street Fighter song. That's, that's all I could think of.
1: I'm going to hit Davy Vega. That's very good. I'm going to hit him up and ask him because I think I, I asked him on Twitter a long time ago, but that was his previous Twitter account. So that tweet's gone because I know I want to try to find like that theme. And I always like the theme for the Submission Squad, which was literally like a one minute song.
3: I don't remember the Submission Squad theme song.
1: I swear it was from uh, Scott Pilgrim, but I could be wrong. I'll have to go look that up. Uh, Butter's. What were your thoughts on the scramble match? Uh,
2: there was a really funny part where Bobby was running across the apron to kick somebody, and Ashley was or was supposed to try to grab him, and like missed all the way across the ring. It was really funny. Like he kept like chasing after to grab his foot. Um, that that was the main thing that I really remember from this match. Uh, Bobby had some cool stuff in it, and uh, I remember Davey Vega won. That was about it. I don't, I don't remember a whole
1: lot. Yes, it was uh, Davy Vega picking up the victory with eight minutes and 47 seconds. So far, the shortest match of the night. Actually, it is the shortest match of the night, not by too much, but I, I like I said, I think these three matches were showcasing somebody. It was Ricky, it was Heidi, and for this one, it was Davy Vega. And it's crazy to think 2014 Davy Vega, the besties in the world were still somewhat known as the sex bombs and they didn't reach the height of popularity that they are now. But they're like, if there was any building going on in AIW is with within those three wrestlers. Any other thoughts from this match guys?
3: Uh, it was your, it was your typical really good AIW scramble match yeah. that they just had on every show back in the day. Just every, I mean, even still there's constantly just six man scramble matches that just always have amazing spots and are always memorable, especially for like a casual fan. So it's it's good to see that we haven't strayed too far from the, <laughs> the what's the what's the word I'm looking for, guys? Just too far from the uh, the recipe.
2: Yeah, Is that a good yeah. one. Yeah, too far from the recipe. And I saw Alex Daniels do a, a backflip. That was interesting. Um, uh, yeah, he does a couple flips. Josh Singh does some
3: flips. Flip Kendrick does some flips
1: could could this been passing of the torch of scramble matches because davy vega was on like had been on a stretch and i think he goes a little bit further with um just nothing but scramble matches and then later on i feel like the same thing kind of happened with alex daniels where he he was in a lot of scramble matches
3: that's i mean it's just where they kind of work out their best like i think that Davey Vega does really well in a scramble match. Like, I think there's just guys who do well in scramble matches. Bobby's one of those guys. Uh, Daniels is one of those guys. Flip is one of those guys. Lyndon's one of those guys. Like, there's a lot of guys in AAW who do very well. Like, just being able to show off their skills and get over where, where, like, if you were to put them in a match, like, later we'll see Lyndon versus Daniels. You can see, like, oh, like i became a i'm a fan of this guy because he can do all these cool moves but oh look he's actually like a good wrestler and can have a good wrestling match too yeah and like i think it it helps i think it's a good way for aiw to build people without having to really like give them that big moment because then when people do get their big moment like daniel's had some really big matches like in the future and vega had his singles matches that put him like in the like picture of having good matches like i think that aiw does a really good job of hey look these are guys we have on our roster these are the cool things that they can do so that they can build fans around those people and then like when they do need that person to have a singles match the fans are behind them and the story can be told
1: the last bit of uh, note that I, f- I did have on this is this was during the era that i called davy vega mr underrated and partially because i i mean well flat out i mean that's where he was going in, like going in to become an intense champion, I felt like he was just we were still kind of looking at him as, oh, that's Davy Vega from the Sexma bombs. And then during this whole year of the Intense title run, it was like, oh, that's Davy Vega the Intense champion. He can actually be a, a singles wrestler.
3: Yeah, he he definitely uh this this whole run really built him up and you could see you could see that he was a good wrestler by the end of it and he was great and I miss Davy Vega.
1: All right, let's move on to the next match. Next up, we had Josh Prohibition versus Brian Myers. And before we get into the match, um, I did pull up two sound bites from this match. One we're going to play before we talk about it and the other one we're going to talk about towards the end of of the match because it happened, obviously, afterwards. Um, I've talked about this on previous episodes and I forgot that it was this show. And this is when AIW... I really realized like, how much of a family or a community AIW really is because it was right before this show, some point before this show or in between the last two shows, uh, there was a fan that passed away. His name was Colin, and I have the soundbite of Josh Prohibition talking about it, and I think it's one of those things that like we did all those fan episodes, and I'll probably do more some point down the road, but it's all the same. And the fact that it still rings true, I just, just want to play it really quick. Mr. Boyers, it's an
0: introduction here. I want to say a couple quick things. Um, on a solemn note, and I hate to do this often, but I think it is important. A couple weeks ago, uh, one of the AIW fans, that has been coming here for for years, passed away. His name was Colin. And uh, when it comes to professional wrestling, there is a tradition where if a wrestler passes, unfortunately attend El Salute, but one of the things that we've said about AIW is, it's a family. Sometimes it's functional, but it is a family. And besides the wrestlers in the back, we consider every single one of you part of that family, because without you guys, there is no AIW wrestling, there is no show. So... to that young man, love the sport of professional wrestling. Tonight, we are gonna do a 10-bell salute in his honor. And I want you to remember this, life is precious.
1: that I think that that it still rings true today of a lot of uh, a lot of AIW fans. I think we've been fortunate enough that we haven't had many situations like that since then. I think the only one that I could really think of is obviously losing Chandler Biggins. Uh, But this, this isn't necessarily about bringing everybody down, but when we got to this match and that happened, I, like I said, I just, I remember not being there, but I forgot what show it was. So it was really cool to be able to, to see that. And it lives on, on IW TV and um uh, it happened in the middle of the show too and not like at the beginning like i kind of thought it did but nonetheless uh really cool to see did do you have much interaction with colin dustin
3: i did not i uh, i really didn't know who he was until like somebody showed me a picture I'm like oh yeah no I, i've seen that guy around i really didn't know him that well uh i know he was he he would talk to a lot of i don't know he sat on the other side of the crowd i was kind of in my own you know. I've, my side was kind of clicky and all we did was like you know get drunk and by the end of the show like if i had met him i probably have forgotten that i had met him uh so i can't say i knew him like really well but like i knew him by face
1: yeah I, i was somewhat the same thing uh if i credit anything to him uh just my memory of something is he always wore like shirts that had bill murray on it i feel like but uh he seemed like a good dude And, um, I don't know many people that, or at least I've not talked to many people who were friends with him, but I know he had people that were friends. I just, maybe I haven't spoke to the right people or whatnot, but, um, I will say this, even someone who never met him, his memory, at least that idea of every, of him like lives on and yeah, it's kind of why we do what we do. But anyway, let's get back to this match. And I talked about it earlier. Like, obviously this was the, you know, the AIW debut, but Early in the match, like, I think right after the bell rang, there was a chant, partially with you, Dustin, and uh, Adam Laporta, fuck him up, Probo, fuck him up. And Brian Myers heard this and actually kind of got in your guy's face, and he acted like he was going to hit you and then walked away. The thing that I will say that I I liked is we we had our mind made up, because I can't say we because I wasn't there, but the crowd had their mind made up because... J Pro's our guy, and no matter who go up goes up against him, we're probably going to side with J Pro nine times out of ten. And with you know Brian Myers being this guy who would just came from WWE, he wasn't well liked. I mean, we didn't throw trash at him; there wasn't any of that kind of shit. But he was basically the bad guy in the match, and I really, I really like that. What were your notes on this match, Dustin? Uh,
3: first and foremost, I'm not scared of Brian Myers. And uh, I don't appreciate Brian Myers mocking me. I don't remember Brian Myers mocking me, but I don't <laughs> like going back and seeing it happen. That's for sure. Um, I think you're right in that no matter who Prohibition faces, like, Josh Prohibition is gonna get sheared. Like, he's just that guy. Um, I remember that, like, this was a match that Brian actually wanted. I remember talking to somebody and, like, he, like, one of his, like, He wanted to be, he wanted to come wrestle at AIW and like one of the main people he wanted to wrestle was Josh Prohibition because I mean, he's a legend, especially amongst like those of us in our thirties and mid thirties, late thirties, even early thirties like me. Like he was, he was that guy on the indie scene before like the indie scene really became a big thing. Uh, I have the, uh, the 10 bell for Colin was classy. And the drunk, the drunken driver that Josh gives Brian to finish this match is one of the nastiest looking drunken drivers I have ever seen as far as just being like a normal drunken driver. And I think that uh, I don't know who's to blame for it looking so good, but it legitimately looks like Brian Myers got like just paralyzed, like head hit the mat so hard. It was I went Ugh, when I saw it.
1: Uh, what were your thoughts on this match uh, butters
2: uh, I, honestly the the big thing that stood out to me was the drunken driver like that's literally my big note on this is that the drunken driver was brutal and yeah that was really it um, JPRO is you know always going to be uh, associated with AIW uh, when I think about AIW he's like you know in the founding fathers to me um, for him, for him to have this match it made a lot of sense uh, to face Brian Myers and um, I, it, was, it was a really good match I was actually like it's funny every time like WWE guys are released and they, they start hitting the indies like it's, it's refreshing to see that oh hey they actually can wrestle and do like all this cool stuff and they just never get to do it on TV so uh, that was kind of fun to see in this match like Different things that he did, and um, yeah, just the finish was just brutal. So,
1: one thing I'll say about Brian Myers uh, is he really does and did have a real affinity for AIW. We saw him many times, you know, after this, and he almost had his la- another last show for AIW at a Are on the Lake. So even, that was right before he he uh, went back to WWE, and he still will name drop AIW from time to time on, you know, the major wrestling figure podcast. And I always get uh, a huge kick out of it because I think, I think Biggins would love that podcast. And um I think, you know, if wrestling was still a go right now and we were able to have shows, he would be at one very soon. Cause I, th- I think he was just bound determined to come back to AIW, especially to, he's still good friends with Swaggle and everything. And I, th- I'm waiting for when everything comes back to normal and and we we get to see him again. So um, other notes that I had about this uh, one, two, this was also the early stages of the feud with dudes on TV. And uh, this is also kind of the beginning of Josh prohibitions retirement tour.
3: I don't know. I, I, I don't trust that retirement tour. It never, it never became a retirement. And even though he's like, semi out of it now he's not retired he he was he was bluffing
1: I mean we'll we'll see how long it is till we see him again but it's I'll give him credit it's been fewer and farther in between this time around but this was uh, beginning of a lot of great shit with him too and what two more years he would uh, or maybe even three more years he would become absolute champion and still like going into the absolution 10 you know he's part of the main event with dudes on TV, it's fucking great. Any other uh thoughts or notes on this match, Dustin?
3: Uh nope, that's everything. Like I said, not scared of Brian Myers, nasty drunken driver. Those are those are my big my big notes.
2: How about you, butters? I would really like to see him uh use his cane as a weapon and be a bad guy when he comes back. That'd be really fun. That, that's that's about it.
1: One other note that I did have that kind of popped me because it's just definitely a sign of the time. There was an actual We Want writer woo-woo-woo champ. And before we go on to the next match, I want to play what Josh Prohibition said afterwards because I felt like he kind of called it and he was 100% right after that. We will go to the next match.
0: Scott, my hope for you is that uh, you run the road and you actually... Is restful, and I hope sooner than later the WWE comes knocking again because they don't know what they've lost to human survivors. And again, even though I bet you're a Yankees fan, you're welcome.
1: He was actually a Mets fan. But anyway, moving on to Oberion of the Batiri versus Veda Scott. This was right after the end of the long story with Veda Scott and Gregory Iron. And um, uh, one thing that I've, my only note really was someone yelled from the crowd, and it was Dustin. Are Pop-Tarts vegan? Because if you don't know anything about the Batiri in general... They love Pop-Tarts. A fan gives Oberion uh, some Pop-Tarts, and they get introduced somewhat in the match, and they both eat them. And like I said, Dustin, I swear it's him yells, are Pop-Tarts vegan? And Dustin, I did do the research. Yes and no.
3: I looked up the same thing I was (laughs) going to say. I'm still not 100% sure if Pop-Tarts are vegan. Uh, There are only three of the original flavors that are vegan. Those three flavors are blueberry, strawberry, and cinnamon sugar. They're accidentally, as vegans like to call them, they're foods that aren't made to be vegan, but are vegan. So there's the answer. No, Pop Tarts are not vegan. Now, what Pop Tarts Beta was eating, I don't know. They might have been blueberry, they might have been strawberry. I don't think there was cinnamon sugar because you would have noticed they'd have been a little bit browner yeah. and easier to tell. So if it was a cinnamon or if it was a brown sugar, if it was a strawberry or a blueberry, Beta, you were fine. Otherwise, you were just, you know, just disrespecting your disrespecting your lifestyle, all for stupid wrestling.
1: That also said that the non-frosted ones are vegan, too, or or those ones, if they're non-frosted, are vegan. I can't remember which one, but I, that kind of shocked me because I always somewhat forget about the non-frosted Pop-Tarts, but I do know they're out there and they probably are, quote, better for you, but...
3: No one's eating a non-frosted Pop-Tart. Let's stop right there. I will have a full, I will have a full Pop-Tarts Cheers podcast right now. Nobody's eating a non-frosted Pop-Tart.
1: I kind of want to buy one because a non-frosted Pop-Tart. Those are the first Pop-Tarts I remember. Ugh. I don't know why. Like I thought the, that was the original Pop-Tart. Then I went back, not that long ago, and watched a thing talking about the history of Pop-Tarts. It's Like, oh no, they were frosted in the beginning. I'm like, why the fuck do I remember the non-frosted ones first though? because that's super- I don't know,
2: but I'll also say I'm, I'm keeping my comments to myself cuz I think I'm, I know why, but keep my comments to myself.
3: I will say this, Pop-Tarts are the best frozen. If you put a Pop-Tart in a toaster, because that's how they're supposed to be eaten, you're a psychopath. A Pop-Tart in the toaster is not good. It's either good at room temperature or frozen. Frozen Pop-Tarts are the best Pop-Tarts. Um and again, if you're eating it without frosting, you're a psychopath, who probably puts it in the toaster anyways. If I wanted to eat one that's toasted, I would eat a toaster strudel because those are good in the toaster. Pop-tarts, not good in the toaster.
1: S'mores pop-tarts are good in the toaster.
2: Strawberry S'mores pop-tarts good in the toaster overrated.
3: Too. Strawberry overrated. Best flavors of pop-tart, cinnamon sugar, if yeah. we're just speaking nope. straight normal. Nope. The best flavor, though, is there is a... It's like a Blue Mermaid one that's very good, and there's a Strawberry Milkshake one that's fantastic. Put the Strawberry Milkshake one in the freezer, best Pop-Tart experience you'll ever have in your entire life.
1: When people tell me their favorite Pop-Tart is the Cinnamon one, I just imagine their favorite candy is also like Werther's Originals or Butterscotch candy, because that's that's how plain... <laughs> that's in no
3: way, shape, or form in the same... the. That, that is that is blasphemy. Plain. That palette is not at all in the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lie.
1: Do you know how I know?
3: That's disrespectful.
1: Do you know how I'm I know? I'm not gonna
3: stand here and take this cinnamon sugar disrespect.
1: You know I know the cinnamon brown sugar pop tarts are bad. They're Ed's favorite. Ed from Pod Van Dam. <laughs>
3: Ed from Pod Van Dam. A lot of great takes, including <laughs> cinnamon pop tarts. Cinnamon sugar pop tarts are the best of the original flavor of pop tart, like your typical, like everyday normal pop tart.
1: Yeah, I don't. I just, I mean, I I can eat the cinnamon brown sugar or whatever s'mores. Just, I mean, I love s'mores in general, so that's why it's my favorite. But I've, if you're gonna put any of them in a toaster, you gotta at least agree like that one makes the most sense because it's s'mores. But I I can kind of agree like the rest. Why, why do you need a why do you need a hot strawberry? Why do you need a hot blueberry?
3: Yeah, if I wanted a warm strawberry, I'd have like a. I wouldn't even say strawberry pie, because strawberry pie's cold. Like cherry pie's warm. Like, I guess maybe like blueberry pie can be a little bit warm, but still, disgusting. I, don't know. I also uh, want to say, I don't have a ton of notes on this match, so it's good that we're talking about Pop Tarts. That's the only uh, note that the I only have. I, <laughs> the only other notes I have. Are, I saw the Dingus family, and Shanoa just got married, so congratulations, Shinoa, on getting married. Um And this is like the classic Aaron Bauer commentary where everything he says contradicts everything he's ever said. But back to Pop-Tart. You guys are wrong.
2: The only time I've ever had one that was in the toaster was a strawberry one, and it was really good. I don't know why. I've never done it since, but one time I had them in there, and it was really good. Uh Second of all, the best place for the cinnamon Pop-Tart is in the trash, and that's where it belongs. They should just throw them all in the trash, discontinue them. It's, it's
3: a bad take, Charlie. Bad take. <laughs> have, have, now let me ask you guys, have you had frozen Pop-Tarts? Yes. What are your thoughts? I don't
2: eat, I don't eat breakfast foods that often.
3: I, I eat frozen Pop-Tarts as like a, like, I'm just enjoying myself. I wanted a nice little treat. I'm gonna sit here and watch wrestling and eat these frozen pop tarts.
1: I remember first having the frozen pop tart, which I don't know if this is the first time they brought it up, but it, it's the one that made the most sense. Was when they had like the the hot fudge Sunday one, which I don't know if that's still See, that's around just, or not. But I not remember
2: psychopath behavior to me. You guys keep shit in your freezer that doesn't belong there, like severed I, heads and pop tarts. Put a lot of things in yeah. my freezer.
3: Uh, frozen Swiss rolls or like ho hos. Put a put a ho ho or Swiss roll in the freezer. Just that's an Adam LaPorta trick. Adam LaPorta taught me that one. So good.
2: Psychopath behavior.
3: Charlie, you got to do it.
1: It's kind of chocolate in the freezer. Like a lot of people talk about that, like with like Hershey bars, uh, Kit Kats, Reese cups, like throw those in the freezer. Even the fact of there are, you know, gas stations that sell them in the freezer section. I don't know if they still do it. I haven't paid attention, but I know like that's where a lot of them get advertised.
3: The best, the best. Frozen, frozen Reese's Cups, also great treat.
1: Under Underrated Pop-Tart that I love, that I think it's overlooked a lot, even by myself. It's simple, but chocolate chip, which is also good in the toaster. Yeah, I have I have no other uh, notes on this. This is kind of like the end of the Baterian AIW. I didn't double check of how many bookings they had after this, but then I don't remember much from Veda in between both runs with Gregory Iron. Like, I, I mean, uh, no, she did have she did have a title run uh, within this year after this going up to absolution. But other than that, it's kind of nothing. So I think this match is example of something you would have seen at that time in AIW. So it it makes sense. But neither of them are really used much at all.
3: Yeah, it was like one of those like, oh, but a good guy now. So now we're going to put her up against Ovarian and it's going to be like uh, it was a, it was a good like. Comedy match, and there was some good wrestling in it. Like it was, it's it's definitely like the weaker part of the card, I guess. But I mean, it's not like it's out of place or bad.
1: It was hard for me to tell when intermission was, but if I were to guess, it happened in between the last match and this match, because that match had like a we're going into the second half feel to it. And I completely forgot to mention uh, J Pro. Defeated Brian Myers in ten minutes and eleven seconds, and Veda Scott beat Obarion in eight minutes and fifty-eight seconds. If we got nothing else, let's go to the next match. Next up, we had the Jollyville Fuckets versus the Forgotten, which was Jimmy Jacobs and Crimson, and I think this is another in which we're getting into this part of the card where it's just this rings us some great stuff going on in AIW at that time. I was really a huge fan of the Fuckets versus the Forgotten, which we got a little bit prior to this, and then it lasted into into Mount Carmel. But then after that, we stopped seeing the Fuckets, and we stopped seeing the Forgotten. And uh, this is the other match that I think Ring of Honor had something to do with because, and this will be interesting, I did go back, look at the graphic. It showed all three members of the Forgotten, Jacobs, Crimson, and BJ Whitmer, not telling you which two would be in the match versus the fuckets in a tag team title match. Uh, there's no introductions. Uh, while there's no official in-ring introductions, you have the Forgotten come out, and then you have uh the Fuckets come out. And you know, it happened the other way around. But no way the other way match started almost instantly. And um, this was also the short-lived AIW tag titles that I absolutely hate. I think they are the worst titles AIW's ever come up with, because they're the like the standing oval kind of titles and they looked I don't know, they just they didn't look that great to me. Um before we get into the end of everything, what were your thoughts on this match, Dustin?
3: Uh the fuckets are criminally underrated as a tag team. Fuck yeah. Uh like they should be everywhere. Like if you have a tag team division and you're not using them. You're making a huge mistake. Uh, that, and I mean, the thing too, like I understand like the Jollyville Fuckets is a very, like you're not going to use that, but like they also go by like the joys, the boys from Jollyville. Like you don't need to call them the Jollyville Fuckets. Like they should be used at every show that has a tag team division. Uh, the Forgotten, great, great idea. Uh, Jimmy Jacobs can make you believe anything when he talks. Uh, B.J. Whitmer is a great wrestler. Uh, Tommy Mercer has his, like, he knows what he does, and he does it well. Like, he's, like, your big athletic big guy. He doesn't talk. That's why Jimmy Jacobs is there. Like, they all complement each other very well, and, like, the story made sense. Uh, It just never went anywhere, and that was always, like, the biggest bummer about the whole thing. Like, Jimmy Jacobs was there so many times, and just, like they would try to build something around him and just, they would never get off the ground or something would happen where Jimmy would like have to be gone or leave. Or he was like, annoying for a second, like it seemed like he was going to retire. And then he got hired by WWE and he wasn't doing a ton of matches afterwards. And I mean, still to, like now, like he does back roll stuff. Like I think he still at impact, right? I think so. Yeah. Like it's just a shame that like any storyline he ever, had an AIW just never never really got finished and it was a it's a real bummer. Uh beside that, the only other notes I really have are about the end of the match. And uh like you said we're gonna talk about that afterwards. So Charlie go ahead. What do you got to say about the match?
2: Like water. It, it it happened. There there was two teams. that did wrestle's the end. No I mean I don't really have a whole lot about this. Uh I really like the boys from Jollyville. I think they should challenge Cody for the TNT title, um, and I—that's really it, man. I Jimmy Jacobs. The only thing I really I like Jimmy Jacobs, and I like he has some really good ideas. Um What stood out to me when you said that you know he could make you believe anything, and that explains how he got Becky Bayless. Um, yeah, I don't really have a whole lot, man. Like I, this was I was actually messaging Justin during this show and this like wasn't hitting for me on, on all cylinders so like it's I don't remember much of this match when we get into the ending I kind of I have thoughts on that but yeah it's it's just a short
3: match I mean there's not a lot you can say about the match itself
2: yeah it's true I guess oh
1: I was wrong that other match wasn't the, the shortest one I overlooked yeah this one was five minutes and three seconds um getting into the finish and how it ended is like i mentioned earlier this was advertised this i could you could look for the graphic it was advertised as a tag team title match um we even we
3: even chant what is it it's uh yeah i was gonna check the flyer
1: or uh, uh yeah i think or yeah check the flyer or something i think
3: it's check the flyer
1: there was a couple a couple chants there during this but um crimson tommy mercer whatever you want to say he uh he was the one I believe got pinned, but unfortunately, he's not one of the tag team champions, quote unquote. It's actually BJ and Jimmy. So it was not for the titles, even though the fuckets thought it was. And that kind of explained how we got into the rushed beginning of the match and all this kind of shit. But it was advertised as a tag match. It didn't tell you which two, it wasn't like clearly. Um, Tommy Mercer is in the background. It actually, I think him and BJ were both in the background. So, kind of fishy. It's one of those things that if I couldn't look up that flyer, or even like, I don't even remember if they should, I think they showed it beforehand, but I might have not have paid that much attention. But it is advertised as a tag title match. And I think that's one of the things I did not like about this show is like, well, you advertised it as such. Why the fuck is it booked like this?
3: Well, I think that's, again, where, like, Jimmy Jacob comes in. Like, it was a very short match, and I thought it was really oddly short. I was like, wow, that was weird. I don't remember that being that way, because, like I said, this was six years ago. I was likely drinking during this show. So likely. things can be a little blurry. Likely. Likely. Um, so when Jimmy started talking and saying, like, oh, you forgot about B.J. Whitmer, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right, like... B.J. Whitmer was the tag champ with Jimmy Jacobs. And that was the whole thing because the whole idea is like they're like you keep forgetting about them, but they're there winning and doing well and being the pillars of the industry that they are. And that was it was just very clever. I was like, oh, you forgot. And they kept they did that a couple more times, too, like we're like, I think like Mercer wasn't at a show one time. And, like, he ended up, they ended up going, like, oh, you forgot about Tommy Mercer? And then he showed up behind him and like came to the crowd or something like that. Like, they, they did a very good job of making the name make sense.
1: The Forgotten had such a potential to be, in a way, maybe the new Nixon of AIW. But, like you said, like, certain things kind of happened that kind of stunted that growth. And um, it was one of those times that when we went into the debut of The Forgotten, there was, like, all these vignettes on on YouTube. And like, I don't remember anybody knowing what the fuck was going on. And this also might've been around the time of intense TV where those might've been on too. So when the, the music from those vignettes first hit and like, this was revealed, it was kind of, it was kind of really cool just because no one knew what was going to happen. Now, like, was it impressive? Like all the groups, Jimmy Jacobs, uh, Tommy Mercer, Crimson and BJ Whitmer. Nah, not really, but there was a lot of potential, and I think one thing it really did was really help put the fuckets on the map more, even more in AIW. They were already, you know, tag team champions, obviously, but I really remember this feud from that original fuckets run in AIW, and this is right around the time that I really fell in love with the fuckets because I think it was a promo that it, it looked like it was in a some sort of car garage uh, structure, and you know. the, Buckets were cutting this promo and fucking team money just was amazing. And I'm like, oh, why don't we see this at shows? But they are, but unfortunately they are on the pre pre-roll promos that you'll get if you get the DVD or watch them on IWTV. But like you said, Dustin, I completely agree with you. They are highly underrated. They should be everywhere now that we have developed. They could also be known as the boys from Jollyville. We don't have to call them the fuckets. Uh, they have a different, um, you know, cup cap that doesn't say fuck it on it. So they could do where those. So they they need to be more places. Uh 100% agree. You guys got any more thoughts on this match? I got nothing. So to recap no. that to recap it the fuckets one but unfortunately it wasn't for the tech titles. Let's move on to the next one. Next up we had the aiw debut of christopher daniels going up against lewis linda now this match was originally supposed to be christopher daniels versus ach and i'll be honest i kind of wish we would have that match how about you dustin
3: i i didn't know that that was the match uh did they mention that or is that just something you remember or saw
1: i went back and looked at like flyers because mainly also when i'm gotcha working on the episode images that'll go on social media. Like I always like, especially if they're like newer stuff, like I pull like flyers from AIW's Facebook or whatnot and like alter to put in things for, for wrestling cheers. And there's a folder for this event. And I was going through all, like all the matches and there was like two main changes. One was one was the main event, which they, they do address in it. But there was also when it was announced that Elgin couldn't be there. It was also announced that ACH couldn't be there. So I had seen that oh like looking at that old match flyer, yeah, it was supposed to be ACH versus Christopher Daniels, and that would have been a really good show.
3: Yeah, I would have loved that. I love ACH. Uh ACH is one of my one of my favorites in AIW, especially at this time. So that would have definitely been a great match.
2: How about you, Butters? I would have rather had uh Lyndon and ACH just cut out. Daniels Not a big Daniels guy. I don't know like I liked him in the triple threats with AJ and Joe, but I just I don't he doesn't do anything for me. Post though, the, the post TNA.
1: Yeah. Um that's
3: I I'll say the one thing about Alex or about not Alex. Christopher yeah. Daniels.
2: Wrong
1: Daniels.
3: Wrong Daniels. Different Daniels. Same family, different Daniels. Um like my biggest issue with him is he tries to make everything he does look like it's super cool. But nothing he does looks cool. Like, even, like, the Fallen Angel gimmick, like, in TNA, like, when he's wearing, like, the priest robes and stuff. Like, he wears, like, those, like, stupid Matrix glasses that make him look like such, like, just douche. Like, and he's wearing, like, those stupid goggles in this, like, on his way out. Like, if he wasn't wearing those goggles, like, on his entrance here, he wouldn't have looked, like, terrible. But, like... There's always just something he does where he's like trying to be super cool and like super hip and young, and like it just it never it never looks cool or hip and young. Like he's just a very good wrestler who has very good wrestling matches, but like nothing about him screams like hip and cool.
1: Yeah, this was a match that I I had no notes for. Like actually, I don't have notes for the this match or the next two, but for this one, it's. It's one of those examples when AIW kinda has that PWG style booking. It's like, all right, here's somebody coming in, here's one of our guys, we're gonna put him in a, a match and like there's gonna be nothing no real build up and like you'll potentially forget about it. I I did notice, uh maybe it's cause, you know, we bid down the road so much further now, but this was when Lewis Linden wasn't as much loved, I feel, at the time.
3: Yeah, I uh I only have a couple notes. Um, the first note I have is that the, when, uh, Pedro says, like, he's the former intense champion and the former tag team champion, and then he does the long list of the, uh, of the, uh, Christopher Daniels, like, title wins, like, that's just A plus announcing. Do that every show. I think that stuff's great. Uh, and like you said, like, this is just like a wrestling match, but it's a really good wrestling match. And, I was thinking about it and I can't think of like a bad Lewis Linden match. Like I can't think of one match that he's been where I'm like, wow, that wasn't a good match. Lewis Linden just consistently has good matches.
1: Yeah. I feel like he's definitely a dude that can always go probably what he, I don't want to say fails at, but it's just like, he's not as flashy or as impressive as other people on cards. So he's, he's undervalued. I mean, granted we know people who don't like him whatsoever. And I, kind of get that but maybe some of us who've seen him longer we have a different appreciation for him like is he my favorite guy on the card no but i i still love me a good lewis linden how about you butters
2: yeah i mean lewis linden's always one of those guys that he gets matched up against top name indie guys uh he always shows out with them but never really i don't know i felt like it took a while for them to really do anything with him to elevate him like when he finally did get a title match all those years later. Um, but I mean, he, he's faced a who's who. I mean, if you look at his list, like it's really impressive of the people he's faced. So, I mean, there could be reasons for that. I don't know. But I think that he's always just been there. And it's uh, one of the, like, the AIW regulars, reliable. And I really can't think of a time that he's had a terrible match with anybody Like that was like... Really, really terrible or anything off the top of my head. So, I mean, he always does pretty decent. And there's Christopher Daniels. He has a nice moonsault.
1: This match went 16 minutes and uh, Christopher Daniels beat Lewis London. I got nothing else. All right, let's move on to the next one. I have no notes, but I think I can speak a lot about this one without any notes. And that's Eddie Kingston with the Duke versus Ethan Page. This is a match that we would see a couple times over the next year, and this was a great feud between the two and also a good time of when the Duke had that that management of Eddie Kingston and, like, everything they did was great. And I got one of my favorite feuds probably of that year, too. If the Fuckets and the Forgotten are up there, this is up there, too. And obviously, you know the match that they would have at Absolution 10 is well known. Any thoughts on this, Dustin?
3: Um, so my first note is that while I said that Dave Vega has a top five all-time A.I.W. themes, the number one all-time A.I.W. theme is Hell of a Life by Kanye West for Ethan Page. No song is better. There's not a single person who can come out of that, that locker room and have a better song than Hell of a Life uh this feud is just great beginning to end uh if you have the aiw patreon uh eddie and ethan talk about this feud like in detail uh ethan page did like a retrospective of it on his youtube channel where they have some of it uh like this feud is just a it's so good and like i say in this in my notes that everything they do looks so violent which makes sense because it just got more and more violent as time went on. And it's worth it's worth checking out just just this part of AIW simply for the Ethan Page, Eddie Kingston feud that happens starting on like, well, I guess it was at the show before this, but like the matches start at this show. Uh, And my final note is Silesia Sparks, wherever you are, I miss you. Uh, Please come back. I'm here waiting, and those are the those are my notes.
1: Yeah, um, I was gonna mention that when we got maybe talking about the finish, but uh, this potentially could have been and I I just not 100 percent sure might have been the last AIW booking or last AIW show she was able to attend. She was announced for a tag match at Russell Rager Day One. It was gonna be her and Ethan Page versus the Duke and Eddie Kingston when I went to go look at results, because like I said earlier, that that was a show that I missed. The results show it as a handicap match, and I, I know WrestleRager weekend was when she got popped, but I don't remember if it was the Friday show or the Sunday show. Anybody can uh, get back to me on or get back to us on what happened there. That would be appreciated, but I do think this was her last AIW show. And I, I miss her, too. And it's crazy. I've mentioned Sleazy to some fans lately, and they they didn't know who I was talking about. And I mean, it wasn't uh, AW fans. But I was like, wow, I think Sleazy was everywhere for a while. And because of that shit, she got pushed up to Canada and out of a lot of people's minds. And I, I don't know if she's still around, too. Like, her Twitter's gone again.
3: Yeah, last I saw, like, I thought she was engaged, but then it looked like her engagement was, like, broken off. I don't know what exactly happened, but like she was on Twitter for like a short period of time and then she was off again. She's been off now for probably close to a year. I, I don't know what really happened. She kind of stopped wrestling. I don't know what happened.
1: Yeah, I hope she's able to come back or I even said that uh, I, would, I think she'd be great in Impact right now. And a lot of people compare her to Jordan Grace and I think Sleazy is the original Jordan Grace, at least of you know this time period. It seemed like it's very convenient when everything happened with At Jordan Grace got a little more popular. Uh, any th- notes on this match, Butters?
2: Yeah, man. Uh, I really like Eddie Kingston's style, and this was actually really uh, a really fun match to watch. Probably my favorite match of the entire show. Uh, I like both guys a lot, and uh, I'm kind of like on an Eddie Kingston kick right now with some of his stuff, so this kind of worked into... Me actually enjoying this, this match quite a bit, so.
1: And Dustin, earlier you said that, you know, Ethan Page has one of the best, you know, AIW themes of all time or the best AIW themes of all time. I said
3: the best AIW theme of all
1: time. And I even just said. The best. I even just said that too. I said, well, the best. I want to throw this out. My favorite Eddie Kingston theme is this one. Fucking cream. He's had a bunch of different ones. But that one is my favorite. And maybe it's because he was with the Duke, you know, cash rolls, everything around me. It fit. Love it. And now whenever I hear that song, that's who I think of. It's definitely a good one. All right. Uh, We got nothing else on that one. It was Eddie Kingston uh, winning in 11 minutes and one second. Um, It was sleazy. Sparks came out to to help out Ethan Page because you find out early in the show, which we didn't really talk about any of the promos that you got at the beginning. But Ethan Page says, told Sleazy that he wanted her to, you know, stay in the back don't don't come out um, but she comes out towards the end tries to help Ethan Page but unfortunately the referee's back's turned and I don't remember what he hit him with was it was a chain?
3: Yeah, he had a chain around his fist and did a back fist for the future.
1: Yeah, so they got the win or Kingston got the win and that was that was that. Let's move on to the main event. This match was originally supposed to be Tim Donce versus Michael Elgin for the Absolute Championship, but instead we got a number one contenders match, Josh Alexander versus Tim Donce. and the winner was going, like obviously going to get a match versus Elgin, I think it was supposed to be at WrestleRager, and the thing that I love about this is these two would be connected somewhat later on in the next two years. And like it has to do, or with no, within the next year with that title. The title, this year and a half after this, uh, that title jumped around a lot for one reason or another. And it was actually, you know, who Don Stu won it, had to drop it because of cancer. Um, Josh Alexander won it. And then, you know, he held it till absolution. So these two being in the main event, they are both going to be champions i mean don's technically already was an absolute champion but both of them would be future absolute champions it, it it made sense so like there's a lot of booking that i really love the only thing i don't like of the whole card was the whole forgotten thing but everything else i feel like stood the test of time and like these two being in the main event made a lot of sense to me and i had zero questions and uh, we can just talk about the, the finish it was a time limit draw simple as that no winner uh, thirty minute time limit draw. Any thoughts on this match, Dustin?
3: Uh, my only note is wrestling. Uh, it's kind of it's fitting that this show ends with like a really good wrestling match where there's no like real crazy gimmick to it. It ends up being a draw because this whole show, um, especially for AIW at the time, AIW always had like there's always like your death matches stuff. There's always your scramble stuff, but like things would always kind of get jumbled up. Like this is like a really good show. If you wanted to show somebody like what is some good wrestling in AIW? Like what's an AIW card from those days where it's just top to bottom, just a good wrestling card. Like there's just, it's just good wrestling. It's not like there's, there's nothing that's like, there's no hardcore really. There's no like crazy, like, Oh my God moments. It's just a bunch of really good wrestling really good storytelling. It's, it's one of those AIW shows that's like, you would never think of as being a really good show because it's just kind of, uh, it, it just kind of moves the story along. But if you actually look at it just from a wrestling standpoint, there's no really bad matches and everything is, like I said, everything's like just a good wrestling match all the way through the card. And it's fitting that this is the last match because it is just a good, solid wrestling match.
1: I was reminded of uh, one of the worst chants I really did not like at this time. And that is Donst is wrestling while he's in the middle of the match. Cause it's like, well, yeah, of course he's wrestling. Josh Alexander's also wrestling. Like, I know what they mean, but when you hear it, that it, I don't know.
3: Somebody hit that cricket sound again, please.
1: Uh, no, uh, the, but no, that, that's not even a joke. It was whenever I hurt, would hear it. I would be like, yeah, of course he's wrestling. Like, it's a bad chant. Stop it. There's better ways around it. Better things to say.
2: Is it as bad as Lee, 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 Lee?
1: I, I don't mind the Lee one. But I think I think watch as wrestling eventually comes back. I wouldn't be surprised if the Lee chant gets phased out and we all go go to the Moriarty. Well, yeah.
2: It's, it's been said enough times that that better be what happens because uh, I watching 200 today and... That was the chant. I just cringed and covered my eyes.
3: I love Lee, 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 Lee. I love it. I think
2: it's great. I think it works really well. <laughs> oh. I, I These bad takes that you have,
1: man. I didn't know that it was a thing until uh, Stacy brought it up. Because he was the one, of the big. He was the first person I ever heard talk about it. Like, why are we chanting Lee when we chant Moriarty?
3: Or you could do Lee Moriarty. There's a bunch of ways you can do this, guys. As an expert chanter, which, if you watch this show, another thing you'll notice is expert chanting. All thanks to me and my friends. I'm not going to give anybody else credit. It was all us, making everything fun and exciting. We are the best chanters of all time. Uh, I also like that this is one of the first shows where AIW starts to kill streamers by just throwing them for everybody for no reason in the middle of no, for like just nothing.
2: I love it. It's the best.
1: Do you want to get into the streamer chat, Charlie? We kind of talked about this.
2: (laughs) I fucking hate streamers so much, except for like a really big, like ROH match. It makes sense. Or like a, a new Japan match, but like every indie was getting them and it was just horrible all the time it took time of like to have to clean the shit out of the ring uh, it was stupid it was a waste of time that that's that was my take on it i uh, i hate it so much and well, dustin i'm sure your chant of fuck them up fuck it's was definitely all you i believe that 100 so percent. that's that there's enough there for that believe it was it.
3: definitely me all me maybe adam laporta but it was one of the two of us it might have been I, I didn't really see anybody else there uh i didn't see justin or steve so i'm guessing it probably wasn't them since they were not there but yes i'm a genius uh i i can't i i, I want to be humble about it but it's hard uh, here we are
2: oh man yeah that's uh
1: kind of the card as a whole uh i agree with a lot of stuff that dustin said about it um the things that I like, I've, I've been highlighting, you know, I feel like the beginning of the card was building up a lot of people that were going to need it within the next year in AIW or within, you know, professional wrestling. And then you have like the other half, which is a lot of established talent, a lot of feuds going on within AIW. Does it stand the test of time of being like a fantastic card? No. Is, is it kind of forgettable? Do I like, am I really upset that I missed this show? And like, not really. But the, the thing that I love about AIW is like a lot of these shows are building blocks, and like when you're there, they're awesome, and you can go back and like watch like how we got into like a lot of the other stuff. Like for example, like like with the second half of the card, with the fuckets and the forgotten, with Eddie Kingston and Ethan Page, that the title situation that would you know unfold with Josh Alexander and Tim Donst. There's a lot there in the second half, so you get a really good snapshot of AIW with this card.
2: I'm not a huge uh, Don's fan, obviously, but like the last 10 minutes of the main event, like really got, got me into it. And I really enjoyed like the last 10 minutes of the main event. Um, yeah. That's my only note for the main event is that I really liked the last like 10 minutes of it. I actually wanted it to continue when time ran out. I was like, Oh, I was actually like five more minutes of of, of where we're at with this story. And, but, yeah, like the first, however long it took me to get into it, like twenty minutes, it took me a little bit of time to get into it. But once I got into it, I actually enjoyed it a little bit. Anything else to add, Dustin?
1: No,
3: like I said, it's a it's a good wrestling show. Like there's just it's good wrestling. None of the matches are bad. None of the matches are like in your face amazing, but like none of the matches are bad. It pushes the narrative forward from all the other shows that had happened before. And all the shows that are going to happen in the future. It's like the perfect, like if you wanted, like I said, if you took an AIW show and you're like, well, what is an AIW show? As far as wrestling goes, this would be the thing. Cause then like, you also figure like if somebody doesn't know anything about AIW and they just watched this show, they now know like what happened at the shows beforehand because they, the storyline makes sense as far as the sort the matches that are happening. And it sets up so many things for the future, which makes you want to check out more, which AIW always been really good at. So, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a good show. It's not like a classic best AIW show of all time type show, but it's it's a good, solid show.
1: And the other added thing, too, is you did have two AIW debuts of really established talent within professional wrestling. One ends, ends up coming back. The other one, I'm going to guess might not come back at least anytime soon. So it it is what it is. Like I said, I'm not upset that I missed this show. I mean, I was kind of upset at the time, but bigger picture, there were other great shows later on this year and next year that if I would have missed those, I I would have been really upset. Uh but this also went into a 3-day WrestleRager show, the OG which is not on iwtv. I wish it was. I hope it eventually gets put up there, but That's kind of what AIW looked like in 2014. Before we start to end the show, I do want to announce next week's homework, and uh, it's going to be none other than Absolution 7, which was my first Absolution, and it's going to be interesting to go back even further than now, or this show, to see what it looked like in 2012. There's going to be a lot of names that are bigger, and there'll be a lot of names that you don't even remember I uh, haven't gone back and rewatched but I know like the ending of the show is one of my favorite endings of an AIW show ever so any final thoughts or last minute plugs before we go with Dustin
3: uh nothing really crazy you know just follow me on Twitter at uh Instagram at Rev Tintin. if you want to find me on Facebook try to whatever it doesn't matter uh with everything going on in the world right now just be good to each other Make good choices. Don't be stupid. Like, you know, that's about it. No real final thoughts about the show besides, you know, like I said, it's a good AIW show. That's all I got.
2: How about you, Butters? You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Charlie underscore Butters. Uh, I have a podcast as well, IWTV Guide. Uh, a new episode might be out uh, by the time this airs. I don't know, possibly, if I get around to it. Uh we actually covered AIW 200 on this week's uh, show. And the next show is going to be Southern Underground Pro. And that's about it.
1: And of course, you could find myself at HeavySet330 on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, much like you can find this show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Facebook.com slash wrestling cheers, Twitter.com slash wrestling cheers, Instagram.com slash wrestling cheers. Email. If you so choose a desire, at gmail.com. And we have the merch store over at whatamaneuver.net. Like I said earlier in the show, please, 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 please rate, review, and subscribe or ever listen to this fine podcast, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Sticker, Stitcher, TuneIn, YouTube, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Podbean, restingcheers.podbean.com. Check out our friends on the Trending Topics Network, such as All Beer Inside, Eurovision Showcase, and Wrestling with Altitude. Check out our other podcast friends, such as Let the Hate Flow Through You, Pod Van Dam, Super Fantastic Podcast, It's Evolution Baby, Virtual Pros, The Indie Cast, Center of the Universe, Sobros Network, Game Marks Podcast, We Like Sports Podcast, Spotlight Series, IWTV Guide, and At Odds with Wrestling. And check out our other friends, such as Thrift Store Jobber, The Savage Dash, The Mystery Men, Mouse's Wrestling Adventures. Good Company, Toy hi Toy Show, Time Capsule Toys, Two Sweet Toys, Stay Tough, Smoke and Jay's Barbecue, Russell Void, Midwest Territory, Southern Underground Pro, and the official graphic designer of Wrestling Cheers, Moy Boy Designs. That will do it for us here on Wrestling Cheers, where everybody knows your name, even if the show ended with a 30-minute time limit draw. Later.
0: For the You're yeah,